having all the gear doesn't make you the thing, right? Having the Nike shoes or the whatevers and all the fancy stuff didn't make him a runner. Running made him a runner. And so for me, being a photographer isn't about what you look like, your gear, your lenses, your flash, all the, all the, all the flash, like the hype stuff. It's about getting out there and working and figuring stuff out. And with poor gear, that's basically your only option. Hey, I'm Jamie, and welcome to the first episode of the Jamie and You Show. Uh, I've been wanting to do this for a while, and I'm so excited that it's finally happening. Uh, this show is where I shine light on the amazing things people are doing, and through conversation, uh, uncovering unique insights that could inspire you or enable you to pursue your greatest ideas. Uh, while you're watching or listening, if that's what you're doing, uh, feel free to pause the conversation and write down your favorite quotes, your favorite insights, and please share them. So if you happen to be watching this, share them in the comment section below. If you happen to be listening or if the comment section isn't for you, then please tweet me at Jamie and you. But let's get into it. Awesome. <laughs> Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks so much, man, for having me. It's awesome. It's, it's so good to have you here. So for those of you who don't know, Chris is my brother. Yeah. Uh, and I, I just felt it would be a really cool opportunity to have someone like him on as the first episode. Chris and I, being brothers, know each other really well, very comfortable with each other. Um, but not just that. Chris, it really, for me, Chris, I mean, I'm going to compliment him a lot here all of a sudden, <laughs> like just starting it off. But um, Chris, it for me, yeah, so Chris, for me, he really embodies a lot of what uh, I want this show to be about. Uh, which is someone who uh, gets inspired to do uh, amazing things and then he goes off and he does them and he continues to surprise me, uh, which, I mean, I, I'm, I've told him this before, really. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, and he continues to surprise me and that's why I wanted to have him on the show. Uh, I wanted to have him sometime, but I'm really happy that he's on for the first show. It's, yeah. great. it's great to have him here. Chris, how do you go from 10 Rand to 10,000 rand. <laughs> yeah, so that's a, that's a very long story. But um, that's so what I want to hear. Yeah, so I'm sure a lot of people want to hear that as well because it sounds insane. Uh, so the story starts with me uh, at, a, at a car boot sale with, with a friend of mine. Um, and for those of you who don't know what car boot sales are, they're pretty popular in the UK and they've got them sort of in and around... Uh, I guess most cities in the world, I'm not sure, but they have them sort of every couple of weeks in Cape Town. And it's this idea of everyone just goes to sell all the shit in their garage that they don't want. And some, it's a whole community and a whole culture, but the idea is that you can go there and it's 95% nonsense, but you know, you can find some gems. And so um, I'm walking around and I find this old film camera. Uh, so it was an Olympus something or the other. And um, they wanted a hundred rand for it, but the guy who I was with was like a really good bargainer, and he was like, "No, dude, like you never pay what they ask." And I was like, "Okay." Um, and I literally had ten rand in my pocket, like no jokes. I didn't even plan on going to this thing. Like I think I stayed over at his house the night before, um, and literally had ten rand on me. So he was like, "Just try, offer her ten rand, and see what she says." For this like proper functioning film camera. Um, so yeah, I walked up after ten rand, and I was like, "Look, it's all I've got." And so she gave it to me. Um. Which was, which was great. It had a built-in flash and it took batteries. Uh, not like the fanciest film camera ever, but a decent one. And uh, came with a 10-year a expired roll of film. So I got f free film, which is, which is cool. Um, and mom had some film lying around at home. So I ended up, ended up using that, I think. Um, and a couple of weeks later, a friend of mine had her, I think it was her 18th or 19th, and she needed someone to take photos. And so she like messaged, hey, does anyone want to do it? Uh, well, I think, yeah, somehow I got involved and took photos at this party. Um, and I was just like casually not doing it seriously, not taking myself too seriously. Um, I wasn't like a photographer or trying to, you know, it was a 10 Rand camera. Like what are the chances that it was even going to work, you know, let alone be awesome. And so, I, yeah, I was pretty drunk, just like having a good time with this party, not taking it seriously. And the photos came out all right. Um... And I didn't really think much of it. And I, I used the camera a few times again that year at like music festivals and stuff just to, you know, capture the moment on film. And it's just a lot cooler and a, you know, a lot more exciting when you get home and, and get a kind of relive the weekend through your film photos. I think that's why people are still shooting on film now. 
Um, well, a lot of other reasons, but that's one of them. And so the next year for the same party for this girl, I shot photos again on that same camera. And um, yeah, they were even better this time around. I think I shot two rolls and um, eventually people were like, yo, dude, your photos are pretty cool. Like, you know, like what's going on here? And I, I don't know, I didn't really think much of it at the time. I was still like figuring myself out in varsity and whatever. Um, and then at another party, um, I was kind of over having to like um, buy film and stuff. Because, you know, it's it's not expensive, but it's like 50 for a roll and 50 to develop. Um, I don't know if you want me to say that in dollar terms for, for people watching. No, it's fine. No. Okay, just in rands. Yeah, it's fine. Rands is fine. Okay, now. sweet. Yeah. I, I just wanted to jump in there. So, yeah. you you were taking these photos. Yes. But what's important is you mentioned there people started to notice that they were really nice. Sure. You were sharing them. Yeah. You were taking them and then what were you doing with them? Okay. So, the cool thing is about... Um, filmers, I think a lot of people, when they think about film, it's just, you know, you go and you get your photos developed and printed and you kind of store them in a cupboard and never look at them again or do. Um, but most of the, if not all of the shops that do film can scan them to a disc or a flash drive and you can upload them to Facebook. So, or wherever you want, right? So a lot of people had had obviously seen themselves tagged in these photos and, you know, you don't often see yourself these days in these like grainy, cool, light leak looking film photos. So it's this really like artistic different thing going on. Um, so yeah, that's how people had sort of seen them was them being tagged and they're using them in their profile pictures. And so that's obviously like really got me going because I was, you know, providing great value to my friends basically and I wasn't being paid for it. Um, and if I'm thinking about it now, the first uh, like sort of event I shot was also just like a friend's birthday party, but I shot with mom's digital camera, which I had no idea how to use, like fully auto pop-up flash, just blinding people. It was disastrous. Uh, but how I edit ended up editing the photos was quite similar to that very filmy look. Um, like I got hold of Lightroom and I was sort of trying to replicate that look that I was getting from the beginning, like very warm, um, like very orange looking, filmic grainy kind of style. Um, and a, a friend of mine who's quite a good photographer, John T, he's got uh, at Pixtagrams for if anyone wants to follow him, he's amazing. <laughs> he walked up to me and he said, dude, those photos that you shot at that party were amazing. Like, like those are some of the best event photos I've ever seen. Like you should really consider doing this. This was on the digital camera. This, on the di point. this is on the digital camera. So this is about the third time I'd ever like taken photos really, you know. And um, and so... What I really like about that is yeah. for 10 Rand, just remind me, was the intention to take photos at events when you bought the 10 Rand? Camera? Not even slightly. Uh, so the intention wasn't to shoot events. The intention no, no, no. was that's a cool camera. I've got ten rand in my pocket. Yeah, I'm gonna get this camera. Exactly. Then so I had I didn't buy. I had no idea what I was going to do with this thing. Just by like discovering myself, I guess I figured it out. Right. You know. So may, I mean, maybe you. Yeah. For some reason, you're inspired to take photos. You see this camera, ten rand. Let's just get it. Sure. Yeah. You get the camera, and you're inspired to take photos at someone's birthday, mm. and you. You've never you've never taken photos before at someone's no, party, no. and you decide I'm going to take photos at this party. Yeah, I was like the official photographer, or whatever, right? That's like no one amazing. else was taking photos, so I was like the only memory that she had of this event. Right. Well. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. that's touching on it. So you were, you went, you were doing it for your own reasons, but you were doing. I mean, everyone was winning. Everyone was winning for this. Yeah, uh, everyone was winning by by a mile. I mean, right. to be fair, so it wasn't really 10 Rand because like the camera was 10 Rand and I guess, you know, mom had some film lying around and she had the camera which she wasn't using. Um, but at this point in my life, I probably had around like 300 Rand in my bank account. Plus minus, I was like 18, 19, whatever. Um, I had like three, 400 Rand. So really like not a lot to start off with. Um, so anyway, so the story continues. So John T came up to me. He's like, dude, your photos are cool. Um, the only problem is I didn't have a way of getting out there tell people like apart from, so at, like back then instagram wasn't that big and event photographers don't instagram isn't really your platform like instagram is more for street photography and portraits and stuff like that um which are typically shot like vertically you know so posting horizontal event photos just don't look that great on instagram but they look cool on facebook because you you know it fills your whole screen that was something i was actually thinking about when yeah. you started telling the story was that i remember when you started posting yeah uh you started posting these photos for your friends and that was when, at the time, mm. Facebook was big. Facebook was big. Yeah, Facebook was cooking, man. Facebook Jeepers. was really cooking. You were speaking about uh, prof people using it as their profile pictures. Mm. And, and what was great for you is that uh, what ended up happening is that 
you would take the photos of the event. There was that whole thing with Facebook is there would be this event on the weekend and then everyone would get excited for who was going to post the photos after the, like on mm. the Monday or whatever so you could it is. Get your cool new profile picture. There we yeah. go. And it's people would really have this anticipation. Really thing anymore. It's not a thing. And I think that yeah. that was yeah. a, as far as timing goes, I think that timing <laughs> was re- you know, was <laughs> really good for you, right? Because yeah. you, could, you, could you could take these photos that captured a moment and there were quite a lot of them. Um, you sure. could post them in one go. Everyone would then see that set of photos. Yes. People would be tagged. The individuals would be tagged in the individual mm. photos, but then they would see the full album. Yeah, it, it was quite a it was quite a nice time uh, to be able to do sure. to start what you started. I think now, uh, with uh, with Instagram being a lot more popular and Facebook not being as popular, uh-huh. uh, yeah. I don't know if posting a, a whole album event of event photos uh, would be as effective. So mm-hmm. I really like I really like the fact that you you played you were able to play into the time. Uh, that you were that yeah. you were taking the photos in. It obviously wasn't intentional. Of course, but like not. thinking no. thinking back on it now, only in reflecting. That yeah. did that did help a lot. Um, so so John T so, says so you've got amazing yeah, yeah, photos. Yeah, yeah, you get yeah, yeah. so yeah. So <laughs> just to just to continue there. So you you get approached by a friend of yours who's a really good photographer, and he says you you have something going here. Mm. Uh, he like believed in me. You know, he was right. the he was the guy. Right. He said, yeah. you know, go for it. You seem to have something sure. going on here. What happens next? Okay. So um, for anyone who knows anything about uh, photography and gear and stuff like that is a, uh, first of all, it's really expensive uh, if you're buying good stuff. And um, second of all, you know, you often think that just because you don't have the best stuff that pe- everyone else is immediately better than you because they've got the fanciest camera. Um, and that, that is true in some, in some circumstances, but if you buy all the best gear in the beginning, you don't learn anything. Like once you get good on good gear, you have no room to grow. Uh, and I think that's like a major, major, major lesson that, that you can use in pretty much anything in your life. So that's like probably lesson number one that I learned from photography is, uh, is start with what you have, get good, and then get better gear because then you can become amazing. And you reckon that's because when you start on worse gear mm. you're not relying on that gear to make up for your own flaws yeah, so yeah. you have to get really good at the craft with yes. the bad gear yes then once you're good at the craft with the bad gear yeah you add good gear to that exactly and then you can take it to a much yeah. higher level yeah because expensive gear is just so forgiving right like the the um if you take a really underexposed poorly shot image raw image of like an expensive camera into Lightroom you can fix so much of it if you don't know how to use your camera and it still looks pretty possible but with like a entry level DSLR um, and you're shooting I mean maybe you don't even know about raw you're shooting on like JPEG you need to expose that image pretty damn well by the time you get it into Lightroom otherwise it's going to fall apart um, depending on how new the camera is and stuff so you really need to learn your gear before before you start like competing in a professional space uh, would you go would you go as far as to say that it would be it would be good advice yeah. and it would be more advantageous to start on bad gear intentionally yeah. or do you think it's yeah. fine to yeah, yeah. if you've got the resources get the good gear would you go as far as to say that people should start on bad gear oh, it's it's it so depends i think like the reason why i say start on bad start on bad gear is because you're forced into a corner where you have to learn. You have to spend hours with your camera mastering stuff because um, because this good gear is so forgiving. You can just think that, oh, I'm good because it looks good. Like, it's possible. Um, but, you know, for example, like in your life, when you have few resources, you have to hustle. You have to make things work. If you're super rich, you don't have to make an effort. You don't have to try and look for bargains. You don't have to try and get good deals and stuff. You don't have to really be concerned because it just happens. So when you put yourself in this like not scarcity mindset because that's obviously a different different topic, but this in this position of scarcity, you really have to make the most about you know what you've got and what you've got in your hands. So I think if you're brave and want to learn, then yes. Um, but I mean, to be like yeah. to be honest, the entry level cameras are like you are pretty capable. You know, they're not terrible. You're not walking around with like an old flip phone. You know, they're pretty amazing. You can get a really good camera for not much money at all. So. Yeah, I just wanted to add to that. So, uh, you could be, uh, you could be intentional and go get the the bad gear if you want to, uh, if you want to learn, uh, and you want to really be forced to have to hone your craft. Mm. 
You could yeah. also uh, be advised to bad. Ge- uh, I just want to add to that. Sure. Advised to buy bad gear. I mean, I mean, not terrible gear, but like entry. You know, simple gear. It's yeah. rather same. You could you could maybe want to do that so that your risk is slightly lower. You're starting with a lower cost base. You can get into it f- a bit faster. Mm. If you're always waiting around to say I'll only start this if I've got the best gear, of course. I mean, we've heard that before. It's, you're never going to start there. Yeah. You, you will literally never start. So I think I think what's nice is we've heard that second bit before, but now I see I see like this new element which says uh, you should see it as an advantage to your. Uh, 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 let me add an extra bit yet. You should see it as, as an advantage to your longer term ability in this 100, craft. One hundred percent. Because you will have to learn how to do things properly yeah. and well in the beginning and then you'll have this compounding effect of getting better and better over time add good gear to that add experience to that and you're just setting yourself up for success i think like one point before i before we continue about how i made the 10k because i think people want to hear that Uh, i think the one point that's really really important is uh around new year's time people go and buy all the new running gear and the gym contract and whatever because they're like i'm going to get so fit um and you i mean i not that i'm ever in the gym but apparently you know people are in the gym that first week of january and uh, everyone's hustling and bustling and trying to get fit and then they lose it after two weeks um they spent all this money but it's not really what they wanted they just convinced themselves that it was the right thing and i think a similar kind of similar things happens with photography is you think oh i'm gonna be this amazing photographer i'm gonna live this instagram life i'm gonna be around all these attractive people and making money and living in beach houses and you kind of paint this picture of what you think a photographer is uh and then you go and get all the stuff and you realize, Jesus, I actually don't know anything about photography. How do I learn? Um, you know, you, you're not willing to get out there. You're not willing to DM people and try and get models to shoot with you, uh, which is a whole nother story. Um, you're not willing to make an effort, go out when it's, you know, looking for good lighting, trying to find people to shoot with you. Like, you're just like, ugh, I didn't end up living it. And then you try and sell the gear and maybe lose some money in the process. And I think, like, the important thing is... Um, I remember once I was walking back home um, from a coffee shop just down the road and I saw this guy running um, in like three-quarter shorts, like Converse All-Stars and a baggy T-shirt. Like didn't look like a runner at all, but he was running and he was sweating and he was getting in shape. And the idea was is like having all the gear doesn't make you the thing, right? Having the Nike shoes or the whatevers and all the fancy stuff didn't make him a runner. Running made him a runner. And so for me, being a photographer isn't about what you look like, your gear, your lenses, your flash, all the, all the, all the flash, like the hype stuff. It's about getting out there and working and figuring stuff out. And with poor gear, that's basically your only option. So I think, yeah, that's like the important, the important takeaway. You summed that up really well. That was, that was really <laughs> cool. How did you take your photography to the next level? Okay. So the thing with, with uh, sort of the artist industry is you have to get discovered. And um, there's this whole idea of like, oh, you know, come and shoot this event. It'll be good for exposure. There's this whole concept of exposure, you know, like normally photographers, I mean, I don't know what the going rate is now, but if you're shooting an event for a couple hours, you're probably going to be charging between like three and 5,000 rand, Um, depending on how high profile is. I mean, maybe even up to like 15 if you have to hire an assistant or I I don't know, but in in that range. And often people think like, if they're on a budget, oh, let's just DM these eight photographers and say like, oh, we'll pay you a thousand rand for three days or some bullshit um, because it's good exposure. Even though like none of your images end up making the final cut of the album or like you post them on Facebook and like 80 people see them, but they also see thousands of images a day on other platforms and you just become forgettable, Um, which is really sad. So, um, but you do have to get exposure. People have to find out about you. So it's this weird trade-off. Uh, I think any advice I can give to anyone who wants to start something like this is do your very first event for free, which is what I did. So uh, a friend of mine's sister is a was maybe still is a club promoter and um, for Club Eighty Nine in Cape Town, and I messaged her. I was like, "Hey, are you guys looking for photographers? Because obviously clubs get exposure through photographers." And she was like, "Not really, but let me speak to the manager. Like we have someone they're checking out, but like I don't know if he's that great. Um, like how much are you charging?" And I didn't know what photographers charged at the time because I never made money from it. So I was like, no, 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 don't worry. I'll do it for free. Um, I just want to get an album like to, to see what I can do. So she was like, yeah, sure, that sounds great. Um, so to shoot like pro photography, you need a thing called a speedlight, 
which is like a massive flash that you put on top of your camera, which you can bounce off rooms and walls and stuff because a little pop-up flash just doesn't work. It just blinds people and it just looks it just looks really, really bad and very unprofessional. Like if you ever see someone using a pop-up flash in an event, they are not, they're like, they don't know what they're doing. Um, or maybe they just were too cheapskate to hire one because you can hire them for about like 150 bucks, which is what I did. So, I mean, I literally had like 400 rand, 500 rand in my bank account. Um, went and hired a flash from a place called Camera Shack. Shout out to them. They are awesome guys. Um, Sean and Carl, absolute legends. <laughs> so, yeah, went and hired a flash, drove to Pinelands to pick it up, uh, rocked up at the event, skipped the queue, which was cool. It was like 150 people queue at the club. Was walked in like, hey, I'm the photographer. And the bouncer's like, cool, like let me in through the ropes. Quite a cool experience. Um, and it was actually a... a um, Africa Burn fundraiser night at 89. So a few of my friends are organizing it. Uh, I don't know how they managed to work that out, but they did. And so I kind of had some cool friends there, which really made the experience quite enjoyable. It wasn't just this like empty club with people, um, or like empty of friends with lots of people I didn't know. So I felt quite welcome, which was great. Um, and anyway, so sh shot the event, didn't know what I was doing with my camera. I think I maybe learned how to shoot on manual mode like an hour before the event. I can't even remember. I watched a few YouTube videos and they like gave me some settings to use, which doesn't really work in real life, but like good baseline, I guess. And shot the event and then sent the manager a few images and um, via email. And he said like, yeah, they're good quality and stuff, but like, it's not really what I'm looking for. He obviously had a specific, the thing is he didn't tell me before what he wanted really. So I thought that was kind of stupid. Like if he said, I want photos of my staff, then like tell me before the event. Or if I need photos of people at the bar having drinks, then tell me that. Anyway. And I was more about just getting photos of the people because, you know, that's what, I, that's what I'd always done is taking photos of the people for the people for Facebook and whatever. Uh, and so anyway, and then I had people messaging me who were at the event like, yo, dude, when are the photos going up? When are the photos going up? And I messaged them back. I was like, sorry, man. Like the manager doesn't like, doesn't want them on his page. Like he isn't happy with them because it wasn't to his spec, whatever. And then eventually I messaged the manager because um, I like on Facebook and I was like, dude, everyone's asking me for these photos. Like, let me upload them. So he did. He gave me like permission on their page. And I uploaded the photos and the reaction wasn't massive. It wasn't huge. It wasn't like, oh, breakthrough. Who is this protege of a photographer? Um, but it got me my first customer. And I think that is, that is where the 10,000 Rand story starts. That's huge. Some of my takeaways. You went into this unprepared. As, yeah. Well, let me say, let me rather rephrase that. You went into this as little prepared as you needed to be you knew that you you needed a good enough flash so you knew that mm -hmm. much yeah so you made sure to get that you knew that you might have to know how to work the settings of the camera so just before you watch a quick video yeah, to dude, make sure you got like the no jokes literally like an hour or two before the event i love that so the event was happening you had to do it it was going to happen yeah. you just had to make sure you did it okay well, yeah. Yeah. and then it ended up being more than okay, of course. And then the the other takeaway was actually just the thing about the the guy who didn't want to end up posting your photos. Maybe, a, I mean, a lesson there, maybe, and maybe this did change your approach in future, but just me thinking about it now, would be how are you reaching out to the person you're doing the job for and saying, what are you expecting uh, and then I'll I'll make sure to try try at least uh, get that for you. So I mean that's that's what you want, one takeaway. But what I but what I really like is that it seemed like you were you backed yourself enough to actually say, regardless of me not hitting exactly what you may have thought you wanted, uh, I think I think these should be out there and other people do too. And I'm I'm really happy it worked out the way it did. I'm yeah. really happy that he then agreed to it. You got exposure. Sure, sure, And of sure. course, I mean, here we go because first customer. <laughs> first customer time. <laughs> yeah. So that was, so I can't quite remember how it got approached, but um, I just want to quickly add one thing before I get into the story. So the tricky thing about photography is it's not like a lot of things in life where you can go back and fix so if you're like building a website or making a song or maybe recording a music video or something like that, you can review the footage and be like, no, I don't want this. Or you can go back and fix. A lot of things you can go back and fix. But with a photography event um, or with recording content at any event, you've got three, four hours. It's never happening again. 
you know, if you stuff it up, you can't say, okay, guys, we're throwing the same party again. Let's go back and shoot it. And so I think an important lesson that I learned that night, which I used for the rest of the year or two, however long I kept shooting for, was at the beginning of the night, ask your client, what do you want? If it's someone's birthday party, do you need shots with your parents? Do you need shots of the table setting? Do you need shots of the food? Do you need shots of the catering staff, of the DJ? Do you want to go and chat to the DJ? Does he need photos for his profile? Maybe you can make a connection there. And establish all of those things at the beginning of the night because if you don't and you send them the, you email them the photos the next day and they say, oh, where's photo of, of granny? She was there and she doesn't have any photos. There's nothing you can do about it. And that's terrible for your reputation because she's not going to recommend you to her friends because she was un- like upset. Even though 99 of the, or whatever, 100 of the photos were amazing because you didn't get that one photo of her granny, then like, oh, the mom had a bad experience with the photographer because he didn't capture the family photos. Even though no one told you and granny sat in the corner half asleep the whole night and there are a bunch of drunk kids ha- like around, having her in the album like in context makes no sense. So from an artistic side, you might think it was the right thing not to take photos of gran, but you ruin their night by not. I love how so, you're focusing on what they want. I love how you're so focusing huge. on the fact that it's, so huge. it's they, not they, about pa- you. So it it's so never it, compromise yourself to the point where you sell out. But uh, like at the end of the day, they worked hard to earn the money that they're paying you, and you're going to work hard to earn it. Like you better make sure it's what they want. I love that. I think the I think the balance that you're striking is I'm not going to compromise my my longer term. Uh, art like my longer term craft yeah. i'm not going to compromise yeah, that yeah, yeah but because i am providing you a service here my the balance is that actually in the longer term i do need to serve you i do need to try and make the product as good as you need it to be because if i'm not doing that then uh, then potentially you know i don't have more clients in the future it's actually just a very practical way to look at it yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. but first client time yeah so uh this was, I was 21 at this time. So I think I shot the event um, sort of January of last year. Must have been, what was it? Yeah, January 2017 was when I did this around the January, February 2017. But just before Africa burned, that would have made sense. And uh, I got a message on Facebook from Nick Cowan, absolute ledge. If you ever watch this video, which you probably won't, you are a ledge. Uh, so Nick messaged me on Facebook. We can send it to Nick. We'll send make it sure you watch it. Nick, you're a ledge. So um, I think one of his friends messaged me or they'd seen the album from 89 and they were like, oh, Chris is a photographer, even though I wasn't, <laughs> didn't know anything really. Um, yeah, uh, quickly, anyone who wants to shoot in a nightclub or a, a, a setting, camera settings to use are uh, F4, shutter speed, 1 over 60 and shoot ETTL on your flash, plus one for exposure to bounce it off the ceiling. That's what I used. And I ended up using those same settings for probably the whole year. Um, I love so, that. That's gold. That's a nugget. Yeah. Take that. The settings The settings I used that night, I literally d- I don't think I ever changed for any event photography I did. So, <laughs> yeah, you can learn shit in 10 minutes on YouTube. Just just Google it, whatever. So, I got a message and he was like, hey, um, I need someone to take photos for my 21st. I saw you doing photos and he knew me. Kind of, we were acquaintances, um, mutual friends. And how much do you charge? So that was the first big question. I didn't ha- didn't know anyone doing event photography at the time, um, but I kind of knew what people earned for that amount of time doing other jobs, like being a waiter or a barman or something. Um, keep in mind, I still had no gear. So I still had mom's camera. So I had no gear. So I was like, okay. Uh, well, I, I had a camera, but it wasn't great. And um, so I was like, okay, well, waiter on a good night probably earns about like four or 500 bucks. Good or take. Well, on average, let's say on a Saturday night, you're probably making about 500, right? So I was like, well, 500. Literally just thumb sucked it. Um, the flash is going to cost me 130 though, because I still had to hire the flash. And he was like, sweet, sounds good. So I went and 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 tried to shoot the event in the most disgusting low light with high ceilings and trying to bounce a flash with a bad camera was disastrous. But the photos came out pretty well. And he actually still has that picture as his profile picture, like a photo I took of him on his 21st, still has it as his profile picture on like Facebook and Instagram. Um, and that is awesome, you know, because the profile picture you choose is the one that you think is the best representation of what you look like to the world. And it was that photo that I took of him at like the first ever event, paid event that I did, which is so cool. Did, did that get you more attention? The fact that people were now making your photos from the event their profile picture. Um, 
was that how you got exposure? Because you, you <sighs> mentioned earlier that you needed this lucky break, you needed exposure. Yeah. I think yeah. one example you used was the was the event. So that first club event you shot. Sure. Cool. Sure. That gives you that gives you credibility. Uh, which is really cool. So a club almost endorsed you, which yeah, I think like that, they sent I think me their watermark and I put it on the photo as right. well. So I think that um, was a, that, that was a awesome. That was awesome. So you got that endorsement, which was cool. Yeah. And I mean, to note, you yes, you uh, you worked for free that night, so you didn't get extra well, income. I worked for negative money because I paid for the flash. Right. Good point. Yeah. So I, I love that. So you you paid for the flash. Yeah. You, you I, were going I paid to, to work for them, which is a weird one. But, but but what you were doing is you were investing. Oh yeah. So it was, it was a marketing expense, I guess. Like you if got, you want to think about exactly. it. Exactly. Like so you get the endorsement, yeah. and the endorsement's good. Then you're getting the exposure because you're putting the photos up, um, and then people notice it. And the reason I touch on the the profile picture thing is because, yeah, I think there's quite I think there's something quite special about the fact that it's a it's something that someone's doing uh, to express themselves, and that personal endorsement. To say, uh, I you know I feel comfortable enough with this product or with this thing that's being created that I'm going to share it, uh, and it's coming from like a person rather than just a, mm. a brand or a company. Mm. I think that's I think that's quite. Uh, there's something different about that. Yeah. yeah and yeah, I wonder, yeah. like, I wonder. I mean, I, I I doubt you were you were maybe thinking about it strategically like that, uh, but maybe you were. What did you think about the fact that you could take photos uh, in order to make? Uh, good profile pictures. Did you start yes. focusing yeah, on yeah. that? Okay, so we can we can chat about that. Um, actually, from that event, I had someone message me the next day who made a, his profile picture. Um, his name's Aiden. Uh, he was staying in a digs with Nick and all these other guys. And he sent me a message the next day and he just said like, hey man, just wanted to say thanks for the photo you took of me last night. And I was like, like okay, cool, thanks. He's like, um, I think that's the best photo anyone has ever taken of me. And he was like in his 20s. You know, he wasn't like a little eight-year-old kid. Um, and for someone to say that to you is just crazy. I'm like, I think you have an analogy. I think like um, them making your picture, their profile picture is like you hanging their art on your bedroom wall. It's just like, you know, I'm willing to look at this and let this be part of my life every single living day. I think that's cool. So the strategy for how to get more profile pictures is um, people love being in a profile picture with one other person. I don't know what it is. Uh, I have this theory that you try and be in a profile picture with someone like less attractive than you, so you look better, or like more attractive than you if you're not so attractive, so they think it's you when you try add randoms on friend requests. Like there's weird tactics. Like why do you have another person in your picture? Like are you best mates? Like I don't know. Is there some sort of like strategic alignment going on? I don't know what it was, but people love having another person in their profile picture. Was that just by observation that you noticed that? Those were the ones that people would set as their picture, the ones with yeah, multiple people. Yeah. So often it was like um, at these parties and events, it was like the guy who's been best mates with the other guy since they were like six years old. And now they've got that like, oh, we've like grown men now are taking this photo together. Or like two girls that maybe live in an apartment together. And it's like their little cute like digs apartment photo that they, you know, that they now have. So a lot of the photos I'd do is I'd pair like two people together or three people together because um, the lens I was shooting on uh, wouldn't really let me go wide enough <laughs> to shoot more than three or four people. So it just like became a part of my style. Like I was I was limited to only getting two or three people in a shot without being on the other side of the room. I love that. The constraint yeah. of your camera <laughs> actually turned out to be the defining point that made it unique and yes. actually made it something that people and wanted to see. I literally had people saying to me like, dude, it's so cool when you get like two or three good mates and photos together. Because it's just like everyone can see everyone. Like when you look at a photo of one person, it might not capture their personality amazingly. But when you have like two girlfriends like hugging each other and looking at the camera smiling with so much joy, people can just see like, oh, those girls are best friends. Like there's so much energy in a photo when you have two or three close people together. Just one person doing like a silly pose just falls so flat. Uh, yeah. And so those profile, profile pictures of two or three people were just killing it like massively killing it. I love that. You you're reminding me of one of my favorite photos of me is is a photo of me with like my good friends. We were out at a club one night. Yeah. We we're having a great yeah. time together. We yeah. got my arms are over, you know, we got our arms around each other. We big smiles on our faces. It's a it's a genuine moment. I think that's I mean, it's it feels more exactly. authentic. Exactly. It's maybe. real. Yeah. It's real. And also when people are in a photo by themselves, they like don't know what to do. 
They're kind of like, right. do I pose? Do I like do they hold my drink up? They're like, what? like, what's going on? But when you have two people, it's just immediately like arms around each other or like doing something silly together. It's just like, it creates so much, such more of like a memory in the photo, like a reason as to why you took it as opposed to just like a random person being by themselves in the frame. Unless it's their party, of course, then you right. probably need a photo of them by themselves. And now after people started to see the photos you were taking of, of this, it was the 121st you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, next. yeah. And then I'm assuming more people saw <laughs> those as a result. Yeah. And that's yeah. then what kicked stuff off. Well, so that's the, that's the nice thing. And I think it's sort of in any industry is when you know the person that does the thing that you need, like not the best, but you know them and they're easy to contact. It's just easier to get them to do the job, right? You don't have to go now test out another photographer. You know that the product I was producing was good enough at a reasonable price. I was reliable and the photos came out. Like one thing that you must do is get your content out as soon as you can. Because the big dif like differentiating factor was I would go home after the event, go through all the photos, delete all the ones where people's eyes closed or blurred or whatever, sift through the whole album, edit all of them, and then go to bed at like 2 a.m., wake up at 9 a.m. whilst everyone else is hungover and doesn't even expect the photos to be up and have them on Facebook. So people would wake up and literally couldn't remember the night before because they got so drunk and now could because of the photos I was posting. And so no one in Cape Town, I know there are a few people now who do next day posts, but no one in Cape Town at the time that I was aware of was doing next day posts. Photos take like a week to come out, at which point you see them and you're like, oh, where was that? Oh, yeah, it was at that thing. Who cares? You're at the next 21st now. No one cares about last weekend's 21st. You so were, that, was, that was really, really crucial. You were exceeding people's expectations. Yeah. Which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, people weren't expecting those photos to come out so quickly no. and at the quality you were providing. No. Next day posts are unheard of. People couldn't believe. Like I literally had messages from people like, how did you get them out so fast? I was like setting a new standard, basically. Perfect. So provi yeah, providing a service that's exceeding expectations. Yeah. You yeah. are, I mean, when you're setting a new standard, you almost have like no competition at that point, mm. which is amazing. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, going, going above and beyond in that moment, you were also riding the hype of the event that just happened. Uh, you mentioned it there. You said uh, a week later, people are less interested in the event. I think that I feel like there was a strategic side to what you were doing. <laughs> in hindsight, maybe not at the time. Not I at the time. What I was doing at the time. Amazing. I, so it just felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Like, I would be really upset if someone took photos at my event and, like, a week later, I had to email them to be like, hey, where are the photos? Them take two days to reply to my email. Then, like, a couple days, send some sample photos through. And, like, three weeks later, when everyone's forgotten about your party, the photos come out and they're like, meh, I didn't even know the photos were ever going to... Like, I didn't even know I was ever going to see them. And like, that really just upsets me, I think. So, it was more like what I wanted to see happen. Like, if, if that was my party, I would love to see the photos the next day. And so, that's what I did was never expected of me. Like when I used to say to them, like, yo, I'll get your photos up in 24 hours. They were like, are you sure? Like, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I never, I never, never, ever, ever underdelivered in all the events I did for the rest of the year and continuing. Never was late. Always earlier than I said. Because you're providing such a good service, did you start increasing your price? Did you start setting your sights on bigger things? Or... Yeah. Or were you quite happy to think of it as a hobby mm. and that actually it was something that was bringing you um, a little bit of extra money? Yeah. Uh, what, how did you handle that? So fortunately, still living at home and having most of my expenses covered, I didn't need to think like, okay, how am I going to hustle? Like, I need to go like start shooting corporate events and charging 20K, you know, so I can pay for rent and car and blah, blah, blah. So I was in a very lucky position where I was basically just earning money to party or earning money to go out for lunch and dinner with my friends. It didn't I didn't need to be a business person. Um, if I did, I think I would have gone about things very differently. Um, I probably would have charged more and hired better gear, hired proper lenses and proper camera bodies and really tried to be this amazing professional. Um, at the time, some of the events I was shooting, I was even invited to. They were like friends parties. So they'd say like, come, but we don't expect you to take up the photos for free kind of thing. So what do you charge? And it was this idea of, I can still go, I can still get, I mean, I was getting like pretty drunk at these events. Like I wasn't, uh, I was dressing up in the costumes that everyone else, I was part of the party, you know, which I think actually 
um, in hindsight helps a lot because when there's a photographer and he's in a suit and tie and not really meant to be there, everyone's awkward. But when you're part of the party, man, we're having fun, we're taking selfies, we're just going wild. So uh, being part of the party helped. That was like a cool, cool thing in the brand and it let people really relax because they knew me and that helped. And so I started charging like, geez, I don't know, like 700, 750 for my next event. I think that's what I did for like two or three events. Um, and then um, I realized that I couldn't take photos of speeches. Um, so like at these events that I was doing, like everyone's po- like at the beginning, everyone's chatting and, and just getting drunk. And then uh, most of the time. And then they have speeches when the mom talks and the dad talks or the cousins talk or the friends and their funny stories, you know, sort of how it goes. And um, then everyone's wrecked and everyone's on the dance floor having a good time. And as a result, you need a whole three acts of, yes, of a 21st. Yes, the three acts of a tw- They are standard. They will never change. I want to go to a 21st when everyone's wrecked, but the speeches happen before. I don't know. But someone needs to change things up because it's hella boring. Like you rec- So you reckon the formula is just bad? It's not... It's horrendous. It's not... I mean, it works. Time, it works. Yeah. But like when, when you're sobering up on an hour and 20 minute speech and all you want to do is like get, get absolutely wrecked, just not a good time please 21st people work on that anyway so i realized i couldn't shoot the speech because the lens i was shooting on um it would go to 55 mil which on a crop camera is like okay to shoot a speech photo the only problem is that on that lens the aperture that that would be at was at f56 which means that you can't let that much light into your lens so you need to turn your flash up a lot and so as a result your flash can't fire as much and in key speech moments when the daughter's hugging her dad like half crying after the speech, if your flash isn't firing because this thing's overheating, you miss the shot. And like I said, events are a once-off thing. You can't get them to hug it. Like, oh, just go back and hug your dad again and pretend to cry and let me try get... So that happened a few times when I was missing shots. So I was like, hey, screw this. I need a new lens. So I bought a 50mm 1.8 STM for 800 Rand from some guy on Gumtree. Great condition lens. Um, like basically brand new. This guy's barely used it. And so that was my first purchase of gear that I needed to shoot speeches because that, yeah, that you could shoot at like f2.8, super sharp, let lots of light in. Um, you like barely had to use the flash, you know, it was just, it just did the job. Great focusing speed and everything. Um, so that was the first time I made an investment like into, okay, I need better gear now. And also, I think that's the first time that you were indicating that this was something more than just a hobby. You were trying to do a service. You were trying to make uh, yeah, people trying to produce it. I was trying to produce a better, a better product. product. Exactly, one hundred percent. And yeah. so beyond before that, you don't really mind if you don't capture the the speeches perfectly. You making do, and you think it's fine. Yeah. But after after that point, it seems like you've decided. You know what? I'm going to do this properly. I'm going to provide a really good service because yes. I know that's yes, the yes, right yes. thing to do. Yeah. What uh, was that? Was that because you wanted to? Uh, I, I like this idea. So we're still on the road to 10,000, by the way. We, we're on this road. And I, I, I see this as a point where you are now deciding to uh, take it a bit more seriously. But is that, is that driven by the fact that you want to charge more? So this is this was the, the idea mm. here is like, are you, are you trying to now provide a better service because you, you want to charge more and you see this, this trajectory on the way? Because uh, I think, I mean, after you've done a few events, uh, people are saying, oh, your product's really good. Mm. You kind of start to think, you know what? Like, here we go. This so, could be something big. So in, hi- like in hindsight, after the second or third event, I knew I was undercharging. I was undercharging by a mile, basically. Um, I, so I, su- I soon figured out that people were, were charging in the ballpark of sort of 750 to 1.5 for an hour of shooting. I was charging 750 for like three hours of shooting and producing photos the next day and at a good quality that people liked. So I was way, way underpriced for what I was doing, but humble enough to realize I didn't have the experience. I wasn't a professional and um, I didn't feel like I deserved to charge as much as other people, even though maybe my photos were better than them, you know, debatable. Um, But I knew I had a lot to learn. And so didn't want to, when people found out like, oh, did you hear Chris was charging 3,000 Rand? And they'd be like, dude, that guy's been taking photos for two months. Who does he think he is? That's the last thing I wanted. So I maybe sacrificed a bit of profit in the beginning, but I wanted to really build in the like, you're kind of just paying me because it's unfair not to pay me. Because I was friends with them, you know? Like if people found out I was doing it for free, I'd just be this like pushover kind of guy. They needed to reward me somehow. 
but charging your friend 3,000 Rand to take photos at their party and being friends with them for 10 years is pretty rough. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of this integration of like wanting to pursue, you know, wanting to build and develop on myself and then also this long-term vision of let me see where I can go with this and what I can start charging in the future. Right, and you weren't just going to be taking 21sts all your life. No. You were going to be taking photos of other events. Yeah. And what I just want to add in here, Chris is not a photographer. <laughs> not even slightly. I, I study finance. We, ha- we haven't said that yet. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, I'm a finance student. Chris is a finance student. He's not a photographer. Yeah, this I've never taken... This apart a from a couple of YouTube videos, I haven't taken any courses or classes or gotten anyone to teach me how, what, how to push the dials and spin the things and read whatever manuals. Just a little bit of YouTube. That's it. A little bit of YouTube, some passion. Yeah. And... I mean, it was fun. That was that was the other thing. Oh, it was a great time. I mean, being paid to get drunk with your friends and take photos is the best job in the world. I mean, <laughs> imagine you could do that every weekend. Jesus, right? Living the life. I yeah. love that. But I, so, I'm assuming. So you, you're not a you're not a photographer. No. You're making money from this thing. You're enjoying it. You want to do it more, mm. and you might as well start getting paid a bit more. Sure. sure. Where does it go from there? Okay, so. I think uh, uh, one of the trickiest challenges that I had to face um, in this moment was what a lot of people don't understand. And I know we've chatted about this a lot, but in these sort of creative industries, everyone wants to know what your hourly rate is. It's this idea of, oh, how much do you charge per hour? Oh, um, okay, I only need you for like two hours, so I'll pay you this much because you said your hourly was 750 or 600 or whatever it is. Um, and that's a big problem because... Uh, for example, if I'm shooting an event, um, I need a minimum of two hours to work, absolute minimum to get a photo of like something that I tried to do was even if I didn't know the people was have a photo of every person there because it sucks when you see all your friends looking great in photos at an event you were at and you're not in the album. That's terrible. So I try and learn everyone's face. Obviously, some people are more photogenic and want to be in more photos, but try and get a photo of everyone. Um and two hours minimum to do that because there's speeches and there's dancing and people are really awkward in the beginning of events because they've just arrived and they don't, maybe don't know people and they're standing in the corner. So you need people to warm up. Often like I'd only start shooting an hour after the event started because I was wasting my time being there in the first hour because no one had had their first glass of wine and everyone was still making sure their hair looked good or, you know, whatever, um, which people obviously forget about through the event. Um and so, uh, what, what's your hourly? That's that's the biggest question. And the worst thing about what's your hourly is that when you tell them, no matter what it is, they always want you for the shortest amount of time, which means you need to work your ass off. Because if you have three hours to work, you can just chill. You have a whole extra hour to just take random photos of whatever you want because you've taken a photo of everyone and you've done your job. So that's a new way to look at hourly. It's like this is my this is my hourly at my fastest speed. <laughs> yeah. So this is, if you, if you want me working at my fastest mm. for two hours, this is my hourly. Yeah. And if you, if want, you want me, me chilled, I'll charge you less per hour. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which, which would then as a result end up being the mm. same amount exactly. overall. Exactly. So you shouldn't be charging on hourly. You should be charging on the product. Because mm. if, the, so think about it like this. Like if you're shooting a, if you're shooting a two hour event, you want to produce about a hundred, a hundred photos. I'd say it's a good amount in two hours, okay? But to produce 100 good photos, you have to shoot about 300 because you have to shoot a double of every shot you do because people blink um, or your flash doesn't fire or something or it's blurred or doesn't focus or it's, something goes wrong with your camera. So you probably have to shoot about 300 photos. And if you think about that in, in, in time, you have 120 minutes and 300 photos. So let's just make it 350 for maths. That means you have to be shooting, what is it, like three photos every minute? So every single minute you have to be looking for one photo opportunity because, yeah, let's think about it like that, 100, 120 photos in an event. Every single minute you have to be getting a photo. And that's really, really difficult without ruining the party because you have to stop every conversation. Hi, can I get a photo? And people are like, dude, I'm in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, I know, but I've got two hours to shoot this thing. I mean, so uh, aside from actually having a tripod set up, and people walking in front of the camera. Yeah, you have to have it. such crazy people skills because you literally have to go up to strangers and be like, hey, can I get a photo? And sometimes they look at you like, dude, like piss off, I'm having a conversation. So That's you need, the worst. And you're you like, I'm being paid people. to take the photo. Oh. Uh, you need to be approaching people, mm. convincing them 
to that you want to take a photo of them yes. and then getting them to look good in it well. getting them to look good yeah all at breakneck speed because the event is only so long exactly and you're yeah. trying to get photos of everyone yeah. and also like one thing about photography is it's a bit of a weird one you get um candid and posed shots so candid shots is when it's like the person laughing drinking the champagne and you're taking the photo across the room the only problem is is like First of all, the lens, I didn't have changeable lenses or like good zoom lenses. So I could get candid shots, but then if four people walked up to me and said, hey, can we get a photo? I'd need to change lenses because I could shoot candid with the 50 mil that I bought, um, but obviously it's stuck and that's 80 mil on a crop camera. So that's really zoomed in. You, can't, you can barely get one person in the shot, let alone four in a row. So that really limited my style. Also, candid photos don't look as good for profile pictures. Because like no one wants to see the side of their face talking in a conversation, laughing. They want to have the post photo with them and their friends. So you could easily shoot an, a candid event in two hours because you just walk around and be the sort of fly on the wall and take photos. And that's a joke. I mean, you can get a thousand candid, you can just shoot away candid all day long. But getting a hundred good posed photos that people can use for profile pictures is a nightmare. Really, really, really difficult. Yeah. And you say that it was the combination of having the good social skills that could then huge. approach people huge, huge 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 and huge. convince them that it's worth it mm. so there was a, so i'm just trying to break down the effectiveness of your product here was so you were a guy who was coming in and, and uh, first of all understanding going into the event what was needed okay let's get let's get photos of everyone you you you're sussing out what the best product is here what are people going to be excited about when this when this um product comes out which is the, the photo album yeah. people they all want to be in the album okay that's first okay well how many how much time do i need uh okay well this many this many photos per minute i mean you know i mean i can imagine you're not doing it down to the minute but you you you're giving yourself enough time to mm. get all those photos yeah. saying how much time do i need okay well then this person's asking this hourly rate i mean that's a that's a confusing thing in itself how am i gonna i'm gonna sort that out <laughs> with them uh but now okay now i have I know how much time I roughly need. But even then, even if I work out how much time I need, the event is so only so long. So I, I don't I get don't get to choose how long this event runs for. I don't get to choose how long the speeches go for. No. Uh, so you know in your head how much time you need and you are watching this event play out and mm. you can see this I'm I've, I'm getting less and less time Dude, that it I is have. Like if I And can, then and then just yeah. yeah, just to round that off, then in order to in order to make it happen it was the only way you could make that happen was to be able to act on those social skills to wrangle people yes to, to yes. make it happen so like i i remember distinctly like a party i did so if we don't just jump forward on the money a bit go for it so the the 10 rand to 10k ideas i probably shot about like 12 to 15 events in a year um and started charging like went from 500 that first one to like seven eight hundred started doing like I think one, two, one, five, and then like more, like two or three. So this is the idea of just like slowly scaling up your price as you, you know, got more, got more known. Um, and um, yeah, I can't really remember. I think I was doing like starting to do 750 an hour because um, people love the hourly for whatever reason. You can't avoid it. It's impossible to avoid. Just try and convince the person that, oh, you know, to... Like what I would say is how many people are at the event? How how big is the venue? So if they say 150 people, if you want to if you want to get good photos of 150 people, you need three hours. You can't shoot that in two. If there's beaches and stuff, you can't shoot that in two. Unless you're shooting candid, but I wasn't. Um, so if you want my product, my posed profile picture product, it's three hours. That's where it's at. I can't do it in less. And I remember being at this one event and I arrived um, half an hour after the party started, but they had the speeches quite early. I had about an hour to shoot, but... People are kind of rolling in and having snacks and you also can't take photos of people when they're eating. So top tip, when people are eating, back up your photos. Go into a room in the house, or if it's at a house, or go into the room at the, the venue and back up your shots. That's a that's a top tip. Because if anything goes wrong, you, are, you can't relive it. So any, mo any time you have that you aren't shooting when people are eating, back stuff up. Anyway, so I've been shooting for about an hour and I was booked for two and the speech has started. Um... And the speeches went on for about 45 minutes, of which I took about six photos um, for 45 minutes. And after the speeches finished, I had 15 minutes to get all the group shots, all the posed profile pictures, 
Um, I've maybe gotten a few before, but like 20, you know, maybe. I had about 15, 20 minutes to take about 80 usable photos to put in that album. I have never worked that hard at any event in my life. It was in like absolutely insane. It was, it was crazy. I was like on the dance floor, going like in the crowd, under people, over people, standing on tables. I was going ballistic. Um, I could have taken longer, but like, you know, I'm only being paid for two hours. I don't want to end up being there for three and then trying to charge them more or telling them it's fine for the next client to find out like, oh, you know, Chris stayed an extra hour and I didn't pay him for it. Like, I wanted to keep that quite strict. It's like, I've charged and been booked for two hours. I have to shoot this in two hours. And that was, yeah, that was... Uh, absolutely frightening. I love that. That's a, such an interesting way to look at pricing. You, yeah. you charged. You charged an hourly. You know what your end product needs to be. Yeah, you're you not going to spend any more time than no. you've been paid for. You, you can't uh, afford to. It it just it, it compromises your your brand because if people find out that, especially if you're charging eight hundred rand or seven fifty an hour, if you were there for an extra half an hour, didn't charge for it, they got like four hundred rand odds worth of service for free. And someone else found out about that who you quickly left after three hours and did, they didn't get the extra half an hour. They're like, stuff you. Why does that person get it and not me? Wow, man. Integrity. So you, it's, it's like yeah. integrity to what you promised yeah. um, for everyone's sake. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so, it's, so the, way, the, way, the way you ended up uh, growing and, and getting to the, the higher prices yeah. was this consistency of this is what the product is yes this is how much i charge i'm going to stick to that mm. i'm going to be consistent on that uh you you who wants to hire me now is going to see how amazing the last event was and you're going to want to hire me off the back of that i'm sure there are going to be a lot of referrals because you are also interacting with the people well you're taking your service seriously yeah so people are then saying you know, hey, who shot your 21st photos? Oh, it was this guy. Exactly. And he works like this. He works well. He's reliable and all of that. So your word of mouth, uh, your word of mouth w was coming from the fact that people, it wasn't that, it wasn't that the person who, uh, who's 21st it was or the parents of that person, it's not like they were going around and saying, this you have to hire this photographer for mm. for anything just do it it, mm. it wasn't that it was that your product was getting exposure so the actual photos were out there people were seeing them and then people were asking so that's so good H where how how did that happen then they were going and asking the person who's 21st it was mm. who who did this and then they were then they would say this is the person who provided such a good product and this is how they work. They work well. And that's when you, then that's when you could be sold at that point. So the product was so good and getting sold. And that was the exposure. And then you as a person was like the second level of the product. Yeah, I know what you mean. At, that, 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 then, um, that then would yeah. maybe sell you, you even further exactly. than rather because than the professionalism of your product and the like real life interaction with people and the service you were providing. They're both the product. Mm. Yes. Yeah, That's yeah. almost what I'm hinting at here. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a service and a product that you're selling, effectively. Right. Uh, and, the, and the beautiful nature of Facebook is a thing called mutual friends. So, you know, someone sees, uh, like this one girl, I remember I shot her, her party in Durbanville, never met her in my life, but she was like, oh, I saw this photo you took of so-and-so. And a rule I have, uh, which I will always have, I, I mean, I don't do much photography stuff anymore. I've kind of moved on, as you know. But um, uh, a rule that I have is that if, if the person doesn't look amazing in the photo, you don't post it. They must look amazing. So what was happening is people were looking so good in the photos I was posting because I made sure of it. There was never an awkward, bad photo. I mean, unless I knew the person was funny or whatever, or they asked me to post it, or there was some banter. Um, people always looked the best they have ever looked in any photo, mostly because I gave them a bit of a tan with the filters and stuff, like made it look cool. Um, but a girl saw a, a picture of her friend and obviously her friend looked gorgeous in this photo. And she was kind of like, whoa, you know, oh, I've never seen my friend look like that before. I want to look like that on my special night. So it was like, you know, selling this product of like being able to make yourself look good. Like this photographer was like adding to your image in like a weird way. I didn't have a brand. I wasn't like, you know, them wearing a Nike t-shirt or something and looking cool. It was more like, I want to look amazing on my night. So let me make sure. And I want my friends and family to look good too. So let me get this guy because I know he makes people look good. And that was the, kind of the brand that I was selling or the product that I was selling at least. So good.
you were selling you were selling people better versions of themselves yeah the best i mean profile picture like next profile picture literally like almost two years later still him like in his mind that's the best version of himself that he can show the world and that was my image on a hired flash first event i ever shot chris i have loved having you on the first show <laughs> thanks for having me dude this it's been has awesome. been so cool I've learned a lot. There have been a lot of key takeaways. If you're watching, if you're listening, please, once again, the quotes, the insights that you found in, uh, during this conversation, please write them down, uh, not only for yourself, but also please share them with us. Uh, if you happen to be watching, please uh, share those quotes and insights in the comments section. Uh, but also feel free to tweet me at Jamie and you. Uh, of course, if you're listening as well, please free, uh, feel free to tweet me. Uh, and also, yeah, if you once again, if you're watching the video, uh, please like the video to uh, to let us know that you enjoyed enjoyed the conversation. Uh, and subscribe, uh, and then you'll you'll see these new videos uh, as they they're fresh. See you next time. Cheers.